Hey, Block Party listeners, welcome back. This will be a Word on the Block segment, and this is something that we're going to bring to you periodically throughout the week, simply because I know a lot of you guys don't have the you know energy or means or even time to necessarily follow with all the updates happening in the crypto space. And I think this is important because we plan on focusing on individualized topics or just headlining news in general that we find is important for you to get a you know, a bird's eye view of what's going on. So without further ado, this is Z from the Black Party Podcast. And I just want to say hi to you guys. Thanks for listening, as well as, you know, what we're going to talk about today. So there's a few things, you know, I definitely want to kind of kind of brush on. But um, just to start. I definitely think that um, the price of Bitcoin is something a lot of people are looking at um, eagerly or fearfully, depending on who you are. But it's managed to grind its way all the way up to almost uh, 48,000. And right now it's it's resting. <laughs> I want to say resting or uh, climb back down to sub 43. So a lot of people got a little bit worried, right? All over crypto Twitter especially traders who, um, you know, um, said anything below 43K or Ethereum below 3200 is a bearish sign. I don't know. Um, We're not traders, so I can't pretend to know the the price fluctuations of Bitcoin and what they indicate. However, you know, I I think it's uh, important that you guys know that the market itself seems a little bit bearish. And I personally don't believe that. You know, because um, so far, all the fundamental news regarding Bitcoin um, seems to be amazing. If anything, all the advancements, all the new companies, um, all the legislation, yeah, everything uh, concerning Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general just seem to be progressing. Are there setbacks? Sure. But in general, larger picture, um, big picture view, I definitely believe that cryptocurrencies are, are here to stay and they're just making larger and larger use cases with larger institutional money being thrown at projects and just at the space in general, Web3, uh, blockchain gaming, metaverse, NFTs, whatever. It's all over the news. You know, there's jokes in popular circles at the Oscars or I'm sorry, the Grammys. And, um, you know, you just see it more and more in our culture. It's, it's becoming much more pervasive. So immediate price action, you know, if you're a trader or if that's how you make your money, then I definitely think it's something you should pay attention to, obviously. But for the majority of us who are interested in crypto or who are invested in projects or who are just getting introduced to space, I don't necessarily think that it's uh, indicative of any um, imminent failures on the Bitcoin network or or the cryptocurrencies. Um, Moving on, actually kind of in the same vein, uh, Vitalik did. So Vitalik Buterin, founder of Ethereum, he he did have... uh, some opinions on the direction of ethereum and he he himself is a bit concerned regarding where ethereum is headed um and particularly regarding the profitability of ethereum or not the profitability necessarily but basically people focused on the profitability of ethereum or cryptocurrencies in general um he basically said you know if uh if we don't voice um, our concerns, we're only going to get things built that are immediately for profitable, right? So people in the space 
who are only after profit. And he mentioned um, how they want to deviate from the original vision of an egalitarian uh, platform. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily agree, uh, myself included. Again, my opinions are my own. They're just opinions. I don't necessarily think that they mean much, right? But for what it's worth, um, a lot of people, including the CEO of One Inch Network, for example, disagreed with Vitalik saying that, sure, there's a bunch of scam projects. And we all know there's a bunch of scam projects, right? Um, you know, we, we see people getting rugged all the time. In fact, we have a podcast on it, but we're an episode on this podcast about it. But regardless of the scam projects and, you know, the players trying to take money from retail investors, the CEO of One Inch Network, uh, Sergey Kunz, hope I'm pronouncing that right, or the co-founder, sorry, he essentially um, said, sure, yeah, there's a lot of scam projects, but there's also a lot of good projects that need funding. And the only way to, you know, get these projects built is with money and with time. So a lot of venture capitalists who are after profit invest in some of these good projects and these projects get built and that helps to essentially grow the network and to improve the space as a whole, right? So it allows, I mean, this is obvious, but you know, capital allows people to focus on more important things besides money, right? Money is just a means to an end, right? Just making a ton of money or playing with large numbers is something banks do and financiers do, right? Traders essentially, right? And that's that's definitely an important part of cryptocurrencies in general. But in regards to the space as a whole, at like Web3, uh, you know, gaming, metaverse, all the cool stuff that, you know, regular people day to day life stuff that people actually want to want to see that has nothing to do necessarily with money right sure money is a byproduct like once these industries start growing you know the money will flow the capital flow will flow towards those projects but you know you're not thinking you know when you play when you play a cool game on the playstation network you're not thinking about oh wow i wonder you know what sony stock is currently at you know you're you're basically more concerned with wow this is a cool product again you build cool products and then the money follows, right? The money is basically just a byproduct of, of providing value. And I think a lot of people forget that. So if crypto didn't provide any value, there wouldn't really be any money involved. So in a sense, I do see uh, I do see what Vitalik is saying, but I, I, I feel that it's a, a macro concern that none of us could really do anything about, right? There's the truth is there's optimists, there's pessimists, but it's more of a combination of both things happening at the same time. And that's just a realistic perspective of, of any industry or, li or life in general. But, um, you know, he goes on to say that, well, not him necessarily, but, you know, other other people who voice their opinions on Vitalik's uh, Vitalik statements basically said, you know, there, there's motivation for people who are exploring and some people are motivated by investing. Right. So a lot of people got into crypto just by investing a small sum of money or their savings or what have you and then it grew and they're like whoa this is pretty cool like you know i just made a decent a decent bit of change let me actually see what the what the hell i was investing in and you know i can't say that i'm i'm innocent in that regard right um some projects i wasn't necessarily you know so well versed or so up to date on what the actual company or the technology was doing but i saw that a lot of people were investing in the company i'm like oh cool web3 or whatever this makes sense, you know, and then it was only after 
I had some skin in the game that I was able to say, hey, like, what is this actually doing? Right. What, 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 what's this industry actually or what's this project actually building? And what, how does it contribute to the to the cryptocurrency industry as a whole? Um, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely areas of improvement in all of crypto, but, you know, money flowing towards the industry and money t flowing towards Ethereum, I don't think is that big of a concern. Right. Um, a big news or I guess I want to say comprehensive type of news there's been a lot of russia crypto headlines all over the internet um in regards to sanctions in regards to avoiding sanctions in regards to um hold crypto holdings by russians and i just wanted to like you know talk about that a little bit because there's like so much to cover uh that it's uh it's kind of you know i just want to unpack some stuff so you guys get you know uh basic idea of what's going on with Russia and crypto. So currently, according to the Russian prime minister, who, who's actually not Vladimir Putin, he's the president, um, if, if, in case you guys didn't know, um, Mikhail Mishuts, Mishut, Mishustin, sorry guys, I, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Um, Russians collectively hold about $130 billion in crypto. Um, that's a lot of money. And apparently, that's not the same number they had a year or so ago. It was valued at five billion, but I guess you know it definitely grew since all this stuff went down. Um, interestingly, Russia does not have any sort of regulatory framework for the country in regards to crypto. Um, One hundred thirty billion dollars is a lot. However, there's no actual sources provided for the figures, so the prime minister basically insisted they know 10 million young people i don't know what young people mean means but you know uh, 10 million young people have transferred a significant amount of money that's exceeded 10 million rubles i'm sorry 10 trillion rubles so again ar around 130 billion dollars um some estimates are as high as 205 billion dollars now i'm not exactly sure if you know, those numbers are accurate, but that represents a very sizable amount of money uh, for, for Russia in, in in regards to crypto holdings. Um, some of that is is that so currently, I believe uh, Russia's holdings in gold are somewhere around 10%. So the crypto holdings would equate to that. And again, a lot of that stuff has to do with a lot of people as a sanctioned country. A lot of people are trying to move money around um, Russia. And, you know, necessity is, is, is the mother of all invention, right? Or, or everything. I don't even know how that saying goes. But basically, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, if we're getting sanctioned and our wealth is about to disappear, especially wealthy individuals, they're like, hey, how can we get the wealth out of the country? So a lot of people were investing in crypto and Bitcoin. And, um, you know, this, this caused a lot of um, politicians or politics to to basically adopt the headlines regarding, you know, sanctions against Russia. So, you know, previously, uh, early in earlier in March, when the entire situation went down with Ukraine and Russia, you know, um, U.S. lawmakers were quick to introduce bills that could potentially force crypto exchanges or existing crypto exchanges to cut ties uh, with Russian wallets. And one of those was uh, Brad Sherman. 
um, from the Biden administration, he was basically um, telling crypto exchanges not to do business with Russian-based crypto wallets, uh, you know, amidst the situation with, with Ukraine. So there's definitely that. Um, and I do think that that's, that plays a part, you know, um, with sanctions against Russia, because there was some evidence to, uh, to suggest that Russians were using crypto to avoid sanctions. Um, you know, so the EU, um, recently as an effort or as a five part plan, including, you know, um, sanctioning Russian based oil, um, to basically ban high value crypto asset services to Russia. So essentially, you know, crypto exchanges like Binance and Coinbase and to effectively cut Russia off from certain crypto services as part of a joint effort by the EU and the USA. Um, in my opinion and the opinions of other people, uh, as well as the CEO of Binance, I don't think, um, you know, Russia using crypto to evade sanctions um, is as convincing of an argument as a lot of people think it is. Previously, I did as well. But when it really comes down to it, um, you know, Russians can't really use crypto to avoid sanctions since uh, the anonymous features of Bitcoin are pretty weak. And most large transactions do have to go through a centralized exchange, right? So, and the reason being liquidity is still pretty low on decentralized exchanges or, or DEXs. Um, I guess, you know, people could keep it on private wallets and they can transact between private wallets. But again, for most goods and services in our economy and, and uh, just, you know, society in general, we're not at a point in crypto in the stage in crypto's, you know, stage um, we're, we're start the naissance, if, if you will, that we could just interact with society and buy all the goods and services we need exclusively with crypto. So um, you, you still need a centralized point. And because of the blockchain ledger, um, because of, you know, all the fancy new uh, on-chain tech that we have, companies and, and basically cybersecurity and cybercrime and anti-money laundering organizations have the tools, have pretty advanced tools to, to spot these wallets and to, to essentially block the transactions once they reach centralized exit points, right? So I don't think that it, it's as big of an issue as a lot of people say it is, especially when it comes to, um, you know, especially when it comes to crypto, um, you know, and then depending on certain jur jurisdictions as well, crypto exchanges are, are still technically required to enforce the same sanctions um, as those imposed on banks and other traditional financial intermediaries. Um, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, like a, again, like I'm not some sort of conspiracy theorist. I think, you know, um, the EU and the USA are doing everything in their power to enforce the sanctions by Russia. But Russians can't exclusively, or not Russians, but Russians as well, but you know, just the Russian government can exclusively rely on on cryptocurrency to avoid these sanctions now if it comes to preserving wealth um individual russian citizens are probably well well advised to keep their money in in cryptocurrencies right so you know if you're a russian citizen and you see you know the your, your entire life's savings um, devastated by what's going on with the ruble then yeah, it makes sense that you 
you suddenly switch to either gold or to, to Bitcoin or, you know, to other cryptocurrency assets because, you know, you, you don't want to see your entire life savings go down the drain because, you know, the because of the drastic decisions of some some leaders, right? Or your, your country's leaders, right? So I definitely think that's that's a viable use case, right? But not necessarily like on mass large scale, like, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to completely ignore the world economy and just interact in, you know, in cryptocurrencies. I think that's kind of like a fabricated tale, not a fabricated tale, but it's just an overhyped narrative that a lot of people, you know, um, have. Right. And th this, you know, this statement actually by uh, Cheng Peng Zhao, uh, the founder and CEO of Binance, you know, he basically said, and I quote, most transactions do need to go through a centralized exchange, any large transaction of value, because the decentralized exchanges don't have enough liquidity yet. So that's a misconception that Bitcoin is anonymous. Bitcoin's anonymous feature is very, very weak, right? Again, there are more anonymous cryptocurrencies, but when you want to transact with large volumes and you need large sums of money to do big things, Basically, you, you, you got to interact with the large volume coins, which are Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? So, and you need to get a central and you need to have a centralized exit point, right? Um, unless everyone you know is using crypto, which is, as we know, is not the case. As, as big of crypto heads as we are, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's going to happen for another 10, 20, 20 years. Um, that's pretty much, you know, a high level view of what's going on in Russia right now. So um, Russia is like a, headlining case for cryptocurrency use good and bad i guess you know but it's definitely something that we're we're monitoring i think it's i think it's interesting because this is like a very real use case right for cryptocurrencies um you know hopefully the the war doesn't drag on and uh you know russian citizens and ukrainian citizens are able to go back to normal lives um but uh, we don't get political here you know so in regards to uh any other news um one actually did catch my eye which which is uh kind of interesting so kraken kraken exchange um recently shut down its global headquarters um quote because san francisco is not safe so the kraken ceo jesse powell he actually announced that he made the decision to close kraken's global headquarters in san francisco um, and as we know, San Francisco is basically the world's or Silicon Valley, the, you know, the largest tech, tech center, you know, birthplace of, of the companies around the world, famous companies around the world um, that we know and love or hate. And he recently tweeted. So the, the full the full statement, I could read the, guy, the full statement for you guys. But basically, the global headquarters at 548 Market Street, which is in the center of San Francisco, um, he said, we shut down Kraken's global headquarters on Market Street in San Francisco after numerous employees were attacked, harassed, and robbed on their way to and from the office. Business partners were afraid to visit after being victimized. Not funny. Crime, mental illness, and drug abuse are out of control in the city, which is dramatically underreported because it's so commonplace. The police are known to arrest the same offenders dozens of times thanks to District Attorney Chelsea Budin's catch and release program, which has resulted in numerous preventable murders of innocent people. San Francisco is not safe and will not be safe until we have a DA who puts the rights of law abiding citizens above those of the street criminals he so ingloriously protects. 
Um, and I, I didn't laugh. I was just uh, actually uh, agreeing because um, I was actually working in San Francisco uh, several years ago, almost five years ago, or maybe more. And I don't know if the situation's gotten worse. It sounds like it has, but even then, like the the, the homeless situation and just the the, the crime was pretty pretty evident and rampant. And it's kind of surprising because it's just such a glaring disparity between you know the the tech culture that San Francisco has solidified itself for in history, which is you know billionaires essentially billionaire billion dollar companies, multi billion dollar companies, trillion dollar companies, right? And then you have an insane amount of homelessness. Uh, as somewhere estimates are somewhere like twenty thousand homeless people in central, um, you know, San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. Um, and interestingly, Coinbase, which is another U.S.-based cryptocurrency exchange, also closed its San Francisco headquarters uh, this year in 2022. So. They they didn't mention anything about crime or homelessness or anything like that, but. Coinbase um, said it's just following the the lead of its competitor, which is Binance, and it just wants to become a fully remote global company. Um, I mean, that's that's definitely understandable. I think that, you know, crypto is global and um, crypto is like one of those few things that no matter where you are in the world, you, you can operate pretty seamlessly with all the infrastructures that we have in place, all the services that we have in place. Uh, definitely interesting, um, you know. So that's, that's what I have for today. I definitely want you guys the takeaway to be one Bitcoin isn't going anywhere. Yeah. There's some, you know, price action woes happening amongst the traders. Um, Vitalik doesn't like the direction that Ethereum is headed. He wants more projects to be built that aren't profit oriented necessarily. And, you know, some people disagree with him. Some people saying that profit is just a byproduct of New profitability is just a byproduct of, you know, new players entering the space and building value driven projects from the responses anyway, as well as all the stuff going on with Russia, including Russian crypto holdings, um, sanctions against Russia, the viability of using crypto against sanctions um, and just, you know, um, the EU and USA, the, the measures they've gone through to essentially uh, cover any loopholes that Russians might be using uh, using crypto as a way to evade these sanctions. And then finally, you know, the depressing news uh, currently going on in San Francisco, the homelessness, the crime and all that stuff, you know, um, and, you know, the big crypto exchanges moving out of the city. So I hope you guys enjoyed this segment. If you guys like this, definitely let us know. And we'll be here. Black Party out. Black Party is a tech culture podcast. We do tech for the people. We cover topics ranging from cryptocurrencies, blockchain, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and more. Our guests include entrepreneurs, creatives, and influencers. Black Party takes a unique view of tech through the lens of the people living it. Black Party is tech culture.